Life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow. Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. I'm John Breeden, your host for this episode of the show, and your chief lounge lizard. And today, it is a great day to be an American. In a 7-2 decision, the Supreme Court actually ruled something in our favor. So, uh, obviously, the uh, the big news of the week was that the uh, Supreme Court of the United States, the highest court in the land, and arguably the most respected, <laughs> came through and decided that California's ban on uh, the sale of violent video games was unconstitutional. Uh, depending on the... Uh, different judges' opinions that you read, uh, some of them go so far as to uh, declare that uh, uh, video games are actually an art form and deserve protection, just like books and comic books and movies and all those other things that we hold so dear. Um, some others uh, just basically said that the law was very poorly written, which is uh, also true. Um, but uh, So we have uh, our publisher, Nate Woolley, and also one of our most... Uh, uh, vocal critics on issues. Marie is, is joining us in the lounge today so to talk about the issue. So, uh, Nate, welcome to the lounge. Thanks, John. Good to be here. Excellent. And Marie, welcome to the lounge. Always good to have you here. Always good to be here. All right. So, um, Supreme Court, 7-2 to decision. Nate, were you surprised by this at all? Well, I'm a little surprised. <laughs> uh, but the Supreme Court's been doing some some oddball stuff as regards to business stuff lately, so I suppose I can't really be that surprised by it. It strikes me as less a defeat for sort of the blue-nosed social conservative angle mm-hmm. and more a victory for uh, big business. Huh, Inter- interesting take on it. Marie, what, what about you? Uh, were you... Um when you when you first heard the news that... Uh, because this was something I was actually worried about. If you go back and read my Christmas column, I, I said that, uh, you know, I really thought the Supreme Court would rule a different way. And I wrote that, you know, that would be a very bad thing. And, and you know, it could snowball. And once you start regulating the, uh, the, the game industry, then you open it up to really ridiculous regulations. And, and I was worried. I thought this was going to be a, a huge thing that we were going to either have to fight for the next 10 years or, or something we were going to have to live with. And then I was pretty surprised. But, but what about you when you heard about the decision? Did it surprise you at all or were you expecting this um you know i think that uh i was hoping that uh it would the vote would go this way uh i thought it would be closer than it was i mean seven seven two is is pretty much a slam dunk Mm. um but i i you know it's such a slippery slope to go down i was hoping that the the supreme court would have the sense not to to go ahead and slide you know Mm. And uh, they did, and that's great. That's true. That's true. I suppose, in one sense, if they had upheld the law, then uh, you you would end up with. Uh, I mean, just th- this particular law. And, and Nate, you're a you're sort of our legal expert. I mean, you 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 watch all this stuff. I mean, this law was probably one of the most poorly constructed laws. I I, I mean, it was written by. I don't know who wrote this thing. It was like, you know, games can be regulated if they're bad, but we're not really going to define bad, and we're not really going to define who gets to make the decision or or anything. I mean, th- 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 this one was just kind of ham-handed, right? Well, most of these things are. I mean, it's it's similar to that old 
Supreme Court phrase, what is pornography? Well, I know it when I see it, mm. but I can't define it, you know, something like that. Mm. The real issue there is, you know, these things are making people uncomfortable or they're considered bad. But when you actually get down to trying to define your terms, you find out that those definitions are either impractical or impossible. So you end up having or, or people, legislatures, or more likely their assistants or God help us lobbying firms, try and uh, write it so it can be inclusive. Mm. And I think uh, I actually think Scalia's uh, writing on the issue uses the phrase overly inclusive. Mm. Uh, and and I think that's probably what hinged uh, the seven to two, as opposed to our more traditional five four these days. Yeah, yeah, I was I was really surprised about the seven to two. Now the um the particular law in California, uh, the the it, the one thing that I thought was interesting was that the the California law, I, I I would still have a problem with it no matter how it was tailored because I don't think that video games should be lumped into. I mean. You're basically putting them into a thing, into a category with this, if it would would have been upheld, where you have, like, the ATF, the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, it would be alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and video games. I mean, <laughs> you know, and we don't do this for comic books or movies or music or anything, so I, I don't think the game industry should be singled out for that. But I think the one thing that I found most disappointing about the California law was that they didn't even take the fact that the ESRB exists into account. If they would have written the law and said, if you sell an M-rated game to a kid, you could get in trouble, I would still have a problem with it, but I'd have less of a problem with it than saying, uh, you know, a bad game can't be sold, you know? I mean, that, that gets down into self-regulating versus uh, non, mm -hmm. and also some other things. I mean, Yes, you go, to, you know, say you wanted to take a kid to, oh, I don't know, kill Bill or something, right. which is about as violent a blood fest as anything, you know, Quentin Tarantino has wet dreams about. Mm -hmm. You know? Sure. Can a movie theater get in trouble for a kid going into, uh, sneaking into that? Because, I mean, show of hands, readers and people participating, who got into an R-rated film younger than 17 without being accompanied by a parent or guardian? Hmm. I, I don't know if I ever did, actually, but I know people that have, sure. Yeah, yeah, certainly. <laughs> I, I, mean, I might it, have. I, yeah, I, you get in. The, 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 the real issue here is, you know, okay, so the Motion Picture Association of America is self-enforcing. Hmm. And we know that they started self-enforcing this back in the 60s and early 70s because Congress was right on the verge of saying, screw you, we're going to do it. Hmm. So they said, whoa, don't do that. We'll we'll take care of it. Look, it's been working for many many days now. <laughs> many many days. Seven. But you know what? The thing is that their their self enforcement. Well, aside from the fact that there are documentaries about how arbitrary and and corrupt yeah, that whole exactly. system is, but um, and not just one documentary. Many many people have gone into um how that's done, but also the fact that it has no teeth. Mm -hmm. And neither and does it, neither does the ESRB. Sure, but then again, do we want them to have teeth? Because then John's right. We are at the, you know, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, video games, and movies. <laughs> I mean, talk about explosive government growth. How many more government employees would we need to enforce those laws? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that comes down to, well, if they, if they have teeth, if they're self-enforcing, if it is an industry self-enforcement, which I suppose is any sort of self-enforcement, forgive me, um, then, 
you don't need government enforcing it because, but well, see, I don't think it's, 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 it's industry enforced. But it's not really industry enforced. It's industry informed. So in other words, basically what the industry says is, look, we're going to let everyone know what's appropriate here. And we will make our own labels so that parents know. Actually, none of these are self-enforced. They're parent-enforced. Well, I mean, it depends on how you define enforcement. The, the one study that – and the game industry used this as part of their um, defense was uh, – this was an independent study where these are you know parent groups that are basically trying to put one over on you. And they basically did these sting operations, and they found that in 60, 63% of the time, kids who were under 17 were not allowed to get into a rated R movie. So 63% of the time, you know – Five-year-olds weren't going in to see, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the one, you know, I did think I snuck into an NC-17 movie one time. I it was the one with Sharon Stone. Um, oh, my goodness. I can't remember the name of the movie, though. But anyway. Um, basically. Yeah, that was, basically uh, that was it. So That wasn't no. NC-17. I, I, I thought it was. Was it? I don't know. No, no, it wasn't. No, it was, no, it was, it was, was a hard. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, my point is, so 63% of the kids get stopped from doing that. But a full 80 Eight percent got stopped from buying a, a video a video game that was rated M, and these aren't. I, and I guarantee you, this wasn't a five year old kid because I used to work at a liquor store, and the cops, you know, because that is enforced by the government, and the cops would come in from time to time on a fairly regular basis and try to buy alcohol from me without having an ID, and and it was and it was always like a 20 year old kid who was like in the police academy but he wasn't 21 yet and he'd be like hey dude can i buy some beer i don't have my id on me and and i'd always say no oh and by the way colombo you you parked your cruiser like three spaces <laughs> down there but but anyway um yeah, I guarantee you that these sting operations, they got some 16-year-old kid with an army jacket and a scruffy beard to go in to try to buy GTA. And still, 88% of the time, they were stopped from doing that. So I, I think the industry is taking this seriously, and the, and the owners of the, of the things are taking it seriously. I mean, I, I don't know, Marie, you wouldn't call that enforcement, but for not being enforcement, it, it seems like it's working pretty well. Well, but see, the thing is, that's that's the whole deal. That's the buy-in. And the truth of the matter is, if if they want it to stay where the industry gives the labels and, you know, the stores, you know, check ID, then everybody has to buy into it. And it seems like they are buying into it. So, you know, why did the state of California write this law to begin with? Well, I'm, sh I'm sure it was some, I, some politician I, trying to make a name for themselves. No, no, I think I think this one had more groundswell going on at this point. Um and and I'm not coming out in favor of, of censorship or anything. What I'm looking at, John, your your analogy about the alcohol uh purchasing. Mm -hmm. And God knows, I mean, we all well we'll just leave that issue for another time. <laughs> Are um, you gonna bring up underage <laughs> drinking, Nate? No. No, not at all. I was legally allowed at 18 to sell alcohol to people who were 21, <laughs> but not to myself. <laughs> yeah, you could join the service and get your butt shot off. Too. I know, I know. So, um, so if I ever sold alcohol to myself, I always turned myself in at the end of it. No, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> it, br it brings your turn-in numbers. Yeah. Uh, the real issue there, or where the analogy fails, is that there's no constitutional right to drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. There is an apparent constitutional right to express oneself. Right. 
But this this gets down to a point where you run into one of those essential dichotomies in American political life, which is, okay, you have a constitutional right to make and purchase violent video games, you know, but not a copy of Playboy. Hmm. Yeah. And and Playboy is every bit as much a self-expression on the part of the publishing industry as making Grand Theft Auto is. And again, then we run into basically a point where things go in both directions. So as long as we have that, what we have is, you know, a political statement that isn't coherent. And we're going to get this again and again and again until there's some sort of resolution. Yeah, no, I think I think I think you might be right on on a lot of those points. But I mean, I mean, then you can also like, for example, um, Scalia, when in, in his opinion, which, you know, I'm I'm as surprised as anyone that I'm on the same side as Scalia. He brings up other things like Grimm's fairy tales and and classic literature and really you could even if, if you read the bible you know you talk about the old testament and some of the orgies and crazy crap that happened back then i mean that's something that that uh, you know you could be offended by if you read it i would think i mean you could get into regulating a whole lot of stuff oh yeah and frankly the decision of what should be regulated and what should not be regulated is one of the fundamental arguments between left and right Libertarian and I don't know fascist or something. <laughs> Marie, did you and did I, you want to say something? I so you had. Well, I just I was I was thinking in terms of the you know in, in terms of the the whole artistic expression thing, right? And because um, you had some big big one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that show we did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and you know I do think video games are art, and thanks to the Smithsonian, they've they've legitimized that. Um. So I do think they should be protected the same way that that other forms of art are protected, and and to a certain extent, even pornography is protected. I mean, you can still buy Playboy, you can still buy Hustler, right? But, you know? but not if you're under eighteen. Yeah, but you know that that line that we draw for um, children is not necessarily um, a bad thing that we've chosen as society, and and. Really, what's the teeth for underage pornography? I mean, how many sting operations are happening to see if, you know, Playboy's being sold to underage readers? Oh, God. God knows. I, I could probably point to a thousand cops who's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, yeah, but, I mean, you know, it's just it's, not it's I mean, the same thing for the alcohol enforcement. Oh, my God. Let the kid do it. <laughs> well, you know? I mean, the thing is, I'm just saying that, that um, you know, Having having the industry label and having the stores, it it all seems to be working, you know. And and if parents are buying it for for kids that are below the recommended age level, then that goes into parental enforcement. Well, that's what I was going to say about movies when they brought about. But, like, but parents can go out and buy Playboy for their fourteen year old sons too if they want to. I don't know why they would want to, but they might. Uh, I suppose. Well, I was going to say to Nate's to, <laughs> to Nate's point about the movies. The reason I never snuck into a rated R movie is because most of the time I had permission to go see a rated R movie. You know, it was like, I mean, you know, I was able to go see them. My, my parents didn't necessarily think that I was going to turn into some raving lunatic if I went and saw some horror movie or something. Little did they know. <laughs> did they accompany you? Um, They would accompany me to the theater because I couldn't drive at the time, and then they would usually drop me off, and I would go see the movie. 
So, but see, if they didn't buy the ticket, did they then go up and buy the ticket for you? Uh, in some cases, yes, I think so. I think so. Because if they didn't buy the ticket for you, you were in fact an unaccompanied minor. Well, I wasn't on, but it's not like you're supposed to go up to the ticket booth and say, "Hey, my mom says I can go to this." No, I, I suppose I was a technically an unaccompanied minor because my mom would send me to the movie and she would go shopping or something. <laughs> but, but yeah, but I which which I th- which I think doesn't qualify. Although no, that you does know, not qualify, my friend. Going even farther back, I can remember in the 70s when, like, my older sister would send me to the corner to get her cigarettes when I was, like, nine. Mm. And people would be like, all right. Yeah, well, and, but some of – Well, there wasn't any rule then. Well, I'm pretty certain in this. I mean, this ain't 1937 or nothing. <laughs> but no, but those rules, rules for cigarette purchases didn't come until later than that. That was an 80s thing. Well, when I was working at the pizza shop, we had a cigarette machine, and if you were 16 – you were allowed to use it, so I think I think that was the rule for a while, anyway. At least in Maryland. I think it was, I think that came along in the eighties. It may have been in Maryland sooner, but I I think nationally that was I a. Would have, I would have been thing. in Chicago then, hmm. so I would have been in Illinois when I was about that age. Well, uh, getting back to the uh, to the issue at hand with the video games, um, Nate, you are a parent, and uh, do you have any? I am. Yes, you are. Uh, a very successful one, I might I, add. I thought I was running a daycare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um. Do you have any trouble? Um. Like, uh, I mean, I guess your kids. I mean, they play some video games, but right now they're still playing like what, like my, my horse sim or something like that. But, I mean, you, you as a parent, do you have any trouble? Like, and obviously you're more informed than most parents probably about video games. But do, do you find it hard to? to know what's appropriate for your kid to play a video game or I mean no no actually the older one's getting into some real things like she's playing D&D online and some other stuff okay well that's a, that's um, a teen game but, so that's that's over I mean, the age the, limit the, really technically the uh the 6 year old obviously is you know you know jump start online right. you know stuff like that but so you're worried the, about uh, Smurf fairies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I bitched about that. Um, but the 11-year-old is really kind of a blue nose, mm-hmm. you know, for what's appropriate and what's not. And I'm not sure where that came from, but that's her attitude towards it. Where she doesn't do anything that's not appropriate? Yeah, like we've got Netflix, and she's like, I can't watch this movie. It's rated R. Oh, okay. Just out of the blue, and I'm like, are you my kid? Maybe maybe she knows maybe she knows she'll be hiding under her bed in fear if she watches the movie. <laughs> and it may be, it may be. I mean I just I just sat down and watched Die Hard with her. Right. Well that my point about the rated R movie Nate has spawned a rule follower. Well, my point about rated R movies though is that some of the movies are rated R for stupid reasons. Like I don't think many kids are gonna have nightmares watching Die Hard, yet it is a rated R movie. You know, whereas something like, I don't know, Friday the 13th probably should be a rated R movie, you know? Yeah, and you see, I don't even like watching those. I find that sort of splatter film to be pointless. I mean, I'm sure people like them. But I'm sorry for them that they do. No, I think they're I think they're pointless as well. Um, but I mean, the, and the ratings on the movies kind of, um, you know, the ESRB they came out and they haven't changed very much. But the the movie ratings changed somewhat recently because of the whole Goonies and Indiana Jones thing were rated PG, and they were like, oh, we need to add the PG thirteen category, you know, in. So John, that was twenty three years ago. Well, relatively recent though is what I'm twenty three years ago. 
I was in college when PG-13 rolled out. <laughs> oh, I was I was still in high school, I think. Yes, yes, you would have yeah. been in high school. But but no, but the point was that was big news. They had to change it. But the ESRB hasn't really changed since it came out, and I don't think there's any need to. I don't think anybody. I don't think the argument is ever picking up an M-rated game and having someone say, "Oh, this should have been rated T," or picking up a teen game and thinking it should have been M. I actually think they do a pretty good job of of rating things properly. Don't don't you? Mm-hmm. Here's let me give you a follow up question then. Okay. The the equivalent for an M rating would be an NC seventeen. Okay. I think you know only mature people should view it. Only people over seventeen or eighteen or whatever. Are you with me? Okay. Well, why isn't that an R rating? Most most well because somebody else can't see it. Oh, I see. I, mean, I see. Okay. Um, you can't put an NC seventeen movie in any large uh, theater chain. In the United States. Okay. They just won't. The equivalent would be, you know, if GameStop said, we're not carrying Grand Theft Auto. No, I, I any, think... Or anything rated Well, by your, by, your, by your analogy, though, the, 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 the NC-17 is the equivalent of the adults only, the AO rating, that, yeah, that you so. never see, because Walmart will carry it. Yeah, exactly. Although I will say... Because I just reviewed The Witcher 2, um, which is uh, – the review is coming out soon, I believe. Yeah, thank, thanks for sending me those uh, screenshots. Oh, yeah. No, but I was what I was going to say was – I'm hiding under my bed in night. <laughs> yeah, it, com- it comes out – the review comes out July 4th. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I think so. Next week. But the review, but the review is um, – you, you know, the original Witcher game, they censored all that sex stuff out. And and in the American version, and the Europeans got the full thing, got the full frontal, if you will. <laughs> Whereas the Americans, they they totally censored it for us. But in The Witcher Two, they just said the hell of it, and they just gave us the full content. And I think a lot of that is digital distribution, because, and I don't think the California law would have done a damn thing about digital distribution because there's no store involved. The kid is just downloading on his own. That honestly, that would be a hell of a. Uh an issue. You'd either have to code for anybody in California who gives a California zip code. Right. Can't download this, or you'd have to admit that it's either interstate commerce and therefore a federal law, or it's international commerce and God help the guilty, you know? Mm. <laughs> well, you know, the, the interesting thing there is, I mean, I don't have kids, and, and so I don't pay any attention to ratings, honestly. But it, the Walmart issue is the kicker. For so many over 18 products. Mm-hmm. And the more digital distribution that we get, and this includes for movies, the less of an inhibition that's going to be. Yeah, yeah as, know, as people get away from brick-and-mortar stores, which right. everybody said we were going to 10 or 12 years ago, and then everybody collapsed because shipping 40-pound bags of dog food for no shipping doesn't work. And now we're actually starting to mature into it. Yeah. Sure. Now let me let me point another another let me posit another little theory here. Mm-hmm. Less theory, more discussion point. The basic issue here is always violent content in video games, right? Okay. <clears throat> what if it was sexy stuff? Um 
What what if the girls in the DOA stuff were topless the whole time? Well, I think that's where The Witcher comes into play. The Witcher actually has you having sex in the game, and it's not it's not a Bioware cutscene where the woman starts to take her shirt off and then it fades to black. No, you actually see your character Geralt of Rivia having sex with the um the, his many little girlfriends. I mean, so there is there is the sex issue there, but. I personally don't have a problem with it because it's part of the it's part of the story. It advances the plot. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that either. I actually find it very frustrating in games. <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> um, when the, the, like the Bioware cutscenes mm. and and all the grief they got for the first say Mass Effect. Well, you you, you saw nothing. They started kissing and then the lights faded. You know. And yet, and yet, <laughs> because you could choose your gender and you could choose the gender of who you were with. It all became a big brouhaha. Uh-huh. But the truth of the matter is, you know, I I don't think I don't think sex needs to be you know all edited out. But then you know you can just slap an M rating on this you know horrific violence. I, well, I just think that's ridiculous. But you know what? We've done that culturally forever. Oh yeah. Well, you know, uh, somehow that's... violence is okay in this country and sex is bad, which is absurd. <laughs> That's where I was coming through with this. I mean, there were quotes back in the 60s and 70s when the uh, movie ratings started that said, you know, you show a man kissing a woman's breast or holding it, and you get a really strict rating, but by God, you shoot her through it, you're all right. Mm. I don't know. That's just sort of the weird way that our country's developed, I guess. I don't know. That's something to, and I can't really argue, but I guarantee it's you. It's freakish and disgusting. That's something to do with the Old West, I'm sure. I almost guarantee you, almost guarantee you that if this had centered less on violence and more on, you know, nudity or explicit sex in video games, this would have been 5-4 and you pick them which way it goes. Yeah, and then Justice Elena Kagan wouldn't have been like, so could you have sex with Walkins in your game? Would that be okay? (laughs) Clearly you can, Spock is half Walkins. And and Geralt of Rivia technically is a mutant, so he's not really a human. So I don't know. I guess the sex there would be all right. Uh, It's and the violence, all of it. Everything is okay if you're a mutant. (laughs) The basic thing here is this ain't going away, and we'll see more of this over the the years because people aren't going to stop looking. Well, you you preempted my one of my half of my final question, which I'm going to ask to both of you. So, number one, um, final question is the uh, was the decision the right one, and uh, and secondly, is this going to end these? Because this is like the 18th one of these that. Um, People have brought up, and it's also the 18th one to get smacked down. It got the farthest, but it got smacked down just like every other one that's ever been created. So, does this finally end it, and, and is this a good decision? And I'll go with Marie first. Well, it's definitely a good decision. Um, I don't, I don't think anything ends this kind of foolishness. Um, I think there are always going to be people who want censorship. And they, you know, want to control what everybody's viewing and watching and doing and thinking. And then there's always going to be hopefully a larger group of people who don't want that. Right. And um, as much as I would love for this to be the end of this conversation and the end of this sort of legal battle, I'm sad to say I don't think that's true. I I would like to add – I would like to agree with your point, but I would like to add because I never get a chance to answer my own final questions (laughs) – is that, um, yes, I think it was a good decision, but and I think that the point that you brought up, Marie, I believe secretly that 
the impetus behind this law was actually those very same people who want to control what other people watch and what other people see and are, you know, bothered by things like, you know, gay marriage and stuff like that. And I think they wanted to, I think they wanted to control this aspect of, of society and keep us away from violence or sex or whatever in these video games. I think they use the children angle as a shield because they know they'd get farther with it than just trying to advocate blanket censorship. But that's my opinion. Nate, I mean, back to you. You get the final word, as usual, since you pay all the bills. <laughs> uh, oy. Um, is it a good decision? I mean, you know, Supreme Court ruled the hell with it. Let's move on. Um, is it going away? There's not a chance. John, there's something something you just said that cuts to the heart of it. This is about control of other people. Mm. Politics is about control of other people. Limiting what other people can do. The difference is not so much left and right, but what aspects you believe should be controlled. There are people who believe what you should see and read can be controlled or should be controlled. There are people who believe that what corporations and people can do in business should be controlled. And this fight is really about which of those groups is dominant at any one point. Actually, one of the most astonishing things I saw here is that Scalia voted uh, against, but Thomas voted for. Yeah. He was part of the dissent. I'm astonished by that. Those two are usually in lockstep. So if we found a seam in that that group, well, there's something more going on here. Hmm. As for who gets to control what, you know, who knows? We'll be fighting this for the next hundred years, <laughs> you know, till we're putting on virtual reality helmets and, you know, I'm actually busting a cap in a virtual world. In a cop. Well, I don't play Grand Theft Auto, but I'm sure somebody's looking forward to that. God help me. I am. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> that would be awesome. I'd be Nico Berlick, virtually. I put the cap in your ass. <laughs> you know, I, I'm playing Pirates and Civilization. So. All good games. Also games that have violence in them. <laughs> well, you know, for to a certain extent, and this is one of the things I want to get out there, John, you were with me at the uh, AIS Awards 10 years ago or whatever when Sid Meier got his Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, yeah, he said that brilliant thing about violence. Yeah, he basically said, you know, about violence influencing, you know, the violent games we do influencing the people who play them and how we say it isn't. We're wrong. It does. Because what we're doing is a form of art, and art is about influencing people. Right. Well, and he also said violence is okay if it advances the plot. But remember, he's big on pacifist games. Yeah, he is the biggest pacifist I know that makes violent games. So, so yes. One of, well, one of the reasons I like Sid so much is he does think about it. Yeah, sure, sure. As opposed to saying, you know, as opposed to our goal for this is better blood splatter effects. And he's definitely a thinking man developer, that developer for sure. So Call me silly. I like people who think for a living. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if you think for a living as well or even just recreationally, uh, let us know what your thoughts are. <laughs> Uh, it is uh, our G- our email address is ginlounge at gameindustry.com. We would love to hear from you. A wise man once said that a totalitarian society can be defined because everything that is not illegal is, in fact, mandatory. And uh, I think that we took a step away from that today, and that's a good thing. So think on that, and I'll see you next time right here in the Gin Lounge. Take care, everybody.